Welcome back to the Boston Commune. This week's incredulous installment will feature commentary from comrades Scott, Joe, Ellie, Carlene, and myself. After Joe denies his secret affinity for Comic Sans, he doles out the scoop on the disgraced Nira Tandon, the bombing of Syria, Greg Abbott's lunacy, and the state of our state. Ellie reminds us just how dangerous it can be to take a shit in rural Alaska. Carlene gives us a primer on how the sexualization of young women can be another trick of the male-dominated capitalistic trade. I talk a lot about something or other, and Scott tells us where to get our spoops and scares. Please! <laughs> <laughs> Please, do us a favor and share this content. Do yourself a favor and enjoy Yaipak Ket. All of these people are just like scrambling to get a foothold on whatever the next like flavor of American liberal capitalism is going to be like. And like establish their themselves as like a necessary link in the chain of power, so that they can get promotions or career opportunities or whatever. Right. We have a breaking news story right away. Oh shit! Hot off the presses. Joe, you like Comic Sans? Oh, it's okay. It's okay. I just kind of want to see what everybody else is saying. Wait, you don't like it? I'm indifferent to it. Like, I just kind of want to... You're a liar. Okay. See, he doesn't care. I just wanted to provoke, like, a response, because I wanted to see what would happen next. You were being edgy. I wouldn't say it's edgy so much as I was just being, like, very on brand, just being the agent of chaos, as Ellie describes me as being. Did I describe you that way? Yes, you did back in February. That's what someone who likes Comic Sans would say. Yeah, little Joker boy. It was in regards to like an episode of The Mandalorian. I really like your memory for detail. I like how you remember like what month we met. Useful. Because it was something about Baby Oat eating something and then he was like running away and he was like, like, yeah, that's me. Yeah. (laughs) Anyways. Joe. So yeah, breaking news. Yeah, Nier Tandon is no longer the candidate for budget director. So that's, I guess that's a fear, Quinn, given that the minimum wage isn't going to happen. Wait, it's not going to happen now? Oh, yeah, because they took it out of the bill, right? Yeah. And an unelected person who, like, could just easily be fired and replaced with someone who will agree with you. Apparently, protecting the norms is more important than getting me and another 32 million Americans a raise, and also raising, like, 900,000 people out of poverty. Apparently, the norms is more important than that. It's very in line with, like, neoliberalism, and especially the Obama era, because, like, he literally wrote in his memoirs that, like, the reason they didn't throw anybody, any of the bankers in jail was, like, it would be a violence against the the norms and the societal order. The norms are important. Wait, wait, wait. I have a question. What is... That's the only norm I can think of. Sorry. (laughs) Because... The Senate parliamentarian has only been uh, overruled Wait, once Joe, in the past forty years. Joe, that's why it's kind of a norm. What does Nira Tannen have to do with the minimum wage? She's been withdrawn as a candidate for budget director, and that's the thing that the Biden administration has been focused on for the past week. Even though 
they kind of gave up on the minimum wage. And in fact, actually, they were trying to negotiate with Lisa Murkowski of Alaska to be like, well, if you like object to the minimum wage, like, can you like pretty please like vote for Neera Tandon? Oh, okay. Moving on. Okay. That, that, I was just curious what her position was. All right. Yeah, Neera Tandon's pretty much terrible. She's very very, very pro-austerity on basically everything. So I guess it's kind of okay that she got shot down, but like knowing the Biden administration and how pro-austerity that they already are, they're just going to replace her with someone who just is less online. The next person they put up for OMB director is going to be equally, if not more so, like pro-austerity than she is, but just less online. That's really the only difference it's probably going to end up with. What other stories we got? So yeah, the minimum wage got shot down. That was... It was not surprising, but it still sent me into, like, a barely concealable state of rage for, like, three days straight. Where that I was at work and, like, barely, like, able to, like, not be, like, borderline shouting about, like... Don't the Democrats talk about the minimum wage? You know, come to think of it, given, like, the reaction like politics of almost all of my coworkers, that probably would have been, like, okay for me to do. But still. So you're just, like, yelling at your random, like, coworkers? Like, you see them in the hall and you just start yelling at them? I mean, they did it to me about the election back in November. So, like, it's only fair. <laughs> Joe, where's the energy tonight? Keep going. <laughs> Been up since What's like up? 30. Oh, yeah. We, you know, say what you will about Trump, but at least Trump made it to like April of his first year before he bombed Syria, whereas the Biden administration lasted yeah. only 36 yeah. days. Uh, we should talk about this. Yeah. Like, Joe Biden, you know, claims to be a Catholic, and I, while I may no longer be Catholic, last time I checked, uh, thou shalt not kill is. Pretty far up the list of things you're not supposed to do. Last I checked that the cardinal sin in favorizing 22 people because reasons is usually frowned upon. I, I could be wrong about that. I went on Twitter yesterday for the first time since it happened and almost instantly regretted it. And the argument was like, well, it's really offensive that like they bombed Syria before they did minimum wage. No, the fact that they ha- they bombed Syria before they did the minimum wage or the stimulus checks. That's really just more of an like an insult to injury. Like the fact that we're violating another country's sovereignty is just raw, like morally reprehensible on top of the fact that it's ethically questionable at best. And I'm being very generous with that. It's wrong. But the fact that we also haven't done like a stimulus check or minimum wage, that's really just an added slap to the face. It's not an either or. We can, I guess, walk and chew gum and vaporize people in Syria at the same time. Yeah, man. Chewing gum, walking. That's right. Tying her shoes, setting off bombs, doing it. I'll do it all. They can do it all. And um, the new press secretary. Uh, <laughs> She's uh, yeah. Oh, that was terrible. My God. Yeah. At least when Sarah Sanders like lied to the, like the press pool, she at least made things interesting. Like this Did Jen you? Psaki person is just so fucking boring. Well, I mean, that's what the Biden administration is going to have. You know, going to bring out for us is something boring, but it's going to keep the you know the party line, as you were saying, the norms, as you were saying, the norm, the norm McDonald's, yeah. <laughs> Bombing Syria is just norm core. Yeah, it's it's the, the American way. Right. It's, you yeah. bomb Syria, you have uh, a adversarial but like sort of agreement relationship with Saudi Arabia. You know, this is it's American. I don't know why they... I, they I even, I, I'm pretty sure they fucking hate us, but they just, you know, go along with what we do. I don't know why... Well, I mean, I do know why. Like, I understand that it's a balancing act between decrying the outright slaughter of Khashoggi and yeah. pretending like Saudi women are, like, 
having all these rights given to them and also pretending like it's not entirely about weapon sales and oil because it's and, yeah in the surveillance state and exactly what it's like, about. Talk about like the, the Saudi women. It's like line. It's how we talk about the like the First Amendment in the United States. Like oh, Americans, we have all these freedoms. Well, except for like read the terms and conditions first. Like you have the freedom of speech, except for terms and conditions. Other than that, we're basically a captive audience. We're just the same as most other countries that we claim to be authoritarian or like dictatorships. But like at least in other those countries, like you can see you can see where the bullshit is coming from more often than not. I don't want to pat myself on the back for this, but <laughs> I do just want to be real about the fact that yes, we, you're allowed to pat yourself on the back as much as you. All like. right, we knew this was going to happen. <laughs> like we, I guess it's like I have trouble. I don't even know what to say about this shit because it's like obvious obviously you know what how else could this administration have gone how else could it possibly have gone it seemed a little bit promising in the beginning with the adding one indigenous person to the cabinet and i don't know it took you a second to even remember what it was <laughs> Being real, it was promising for all of like four days and then it immediately started going to the shits right and like <laughs> I there I guess there are still people that are like hung up on those first four days like that. It reminds me of like being in an abusive relationship where the victim is saying like, well, you know, maybe they'll I know that they're like a good person underneath all this like violence and hatred and misogyny. But like, you know, they were they used to be nice to me. So like maybe they'll be like that again. And it's it's like pathological. Like there's bordering on like pavlovian there's nothing for us in the democratic party and it doesn't matter how many people say that we can push them to the left i try not to laugh like directly in people's faces when they try to tell me that like we can like reform the party push the party left it's like how we have no leverage and better socialists than us have been trying this since the 60s and they've been failing so how the fuck are we gonna do this it's not there is no such thing as a party that is such a big tent that you can have communists and conservative capitalists in the same party. Like Nope. We have a duopoly, but it's not like that encompasses the entire political spectrum. Like we have a duopoly that encompasses the right half of the spectrum. And yeah. like really just accommodates like the political class and basically that's it. Yeah, I love those graphics that are like how people think various politicians are and it's like here's the spectrum. I mean, you know, Bernie's like way all the way to the left or whatever, and it's like how it actually is, and like everybody is on the right, and Bernie is like it's a like lot closer. How to it the is? <laughs> how it is? Bernie's actually like the centrist, and it's like we don't really have a far left. It's like because like quote unquote far left is like we would like poor people to maybe not die because they can't go to a doctor? Question mark. Yeah, if you yeah, get like, far enough left, they're just people just aren't politicians anymore. For example, Medicare for all is a moderate position. Just, yeah, just like right. let everyone know that. Yep. Like that's the compromise position between like um let's anti-fascism is a moderate position. Yeah, like <laughs> Medicare for all is like the moderate position between like let's do nothing and let's Let's just completely, like, remove all commodification from the healthcare industry. No, Medicare for all is actually a moderate position. In every other country that has, like, parliamentarianism... Yeah, it's not just moderate by American standards. Even the most conservative parties incorporate, like, the NHS or... In Canada, it's literally called Medicare, isn't it? Yeah, it is. 
Yeah, even even the conservative parties in Canada include universal health care. And it's a given. Yeah. We're some fucking, like, we're actually some fucking, like, 18th century shit in this country. I mean, really, just look at, just look at the, the number of COVID deaths, and that's all you need to know. Like, we intentionally drop the ball, and then we'll start yeah, like- and then the, and then the ball caught on fire, and then and then it started a fucking gigantic forest fire, and then we poured kerosene on it, and then like and then we of, we did it, it's over. <laughs> and then like a bunch of people went into the woods, and they were like, "Hey, what's that? Is that uh, fireflies?" And then they were like, "Yo, come here! I think there's some fireflies over here in the trees." And then one by one, they all walked into the fire. And they burned to death. And then people were like, "Oh, there's some interesting going on over here." And then, uh, and then more people went in. And then they burned to death. And then Joe Biden uh, kneeled and said something about <laughs> black people. And uh, Scott, can you put music under this section? In this the, is getting so stressed. Or, so <laughs> Listen, Jack, we need to respect the fire. Respect the fire. Like. I honestly like, would argue that it goes further than that on our healthcare industry because, like, uh, before the it pandemic, goes further than people walking to a fire. On average, forty-five thousand Americans died every year because they weren't able to go to a doctor, and that was before the pandemic. There is a very good portion of the country that still believes COVID is somehow simultaneously not bad or not real. It yeah, like it's it's both a hoax and also a very real virus that was created in a lab by China. Oh, believe me, I have many co-workers who unironically said this to me this past week, so I, I know exactly what you're talking about. So, I mean, we couldn't have done this any worse than we did. And there's people who, like Texas, yeah, we did it. I, I believe Texas just opened up 100%. No, earlier tonight, uh, Greg Abbott, the Republican governor, announced that they are kiboshing all mask mandates and they are basically reopening the entire economy. Everything will be open to 100% capacity, effective Monday. Even though, like, 9.3% of Texans have been partially vaccinated. But they're going to reopen everything. Everything is open for business starting Monday. Tell me that is not an apt comparison to kerosene on a fire. Fireflies. That is a, that is a perfect <laughs> analogy, really. 600,000 dead. We did it. We, <laughs> it guys. we did a thing. We're number fucking one. <laughs> No, really, one, dude, like, in, in terms of death and, uh, you know, the inability of health. We're literally ranked number one. America is exceptional. Yeah. We, Our state that we happen to occupy is, like, number three among the states in the number one country in the world in terms of COVID deaths. Oh, mass? Yeah. We're number three! Woo! I'll take it. That's a that's a bronze. Right? Still standing on that podium, you know. Got that bronze, baby. You're not on top, but you're on the podium. Yeah, yeah. And our governor hasn't even been like to make the episode crash, Joe. A bronze medal also gets you a blowjob. Go. And our, gov- our governor hasn't even been accused of sexual harassment yet. 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 <laughs> <laughs> It's coming. It's keyword there. Yes. I guess that's in reference to Mr. Cuomo. Mr. Yes. Are we all Cuomo sexuals yeah, now? Like, on one, all right. So on he's one hand. Three, he's up to three accusations this week. On one hand, Love I, it. I actually feel bad for uh, Chris Cuomo. <laughs> who, like, oh, why? Yeah. Why? Because, because he like can't do his segment anymore, you know, and he oh, has to yeah. fuck his segment. He talks to each other, and you, they just harass yeah. each other on yeah, well, like, TV. I mean, yes, he has to see with his dipshit brother. He's like, I obviously can't be objective. 
I had another hand on with something on it. On the other hand, fuck Chris <laughs> Cuomo. Like yeah. if he if if he was like my friend, I would feel a lot worse. But I mean, he's just some guy. He probably knows all the shit that happened already. Like this is probably none of this is news to him. That absolutely, it's but he's a journalist. Uh, a quote unquote journalist. <laughs> oh, exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. Journalist, baby. Ooh. Anybody who works at CNN who calls themselves journalists, it really should just be in like an air quotes. Yeah. James Hopper is not a oh journalist. Oh my God. Yeah. Chris Cuomo is not a journalist. Oh. There are people with a TV camera pointed at them for an hour what? a night who no. have opinions. <laughs> Brief anecdote, at my grad school graduation, my parents were talking to my like main photojournalism professor, and they were like, uh, insert birth name here, uh, seems to really have a thing against broadcast journalism. What do you think? And my professor was like, good. <laughs> she should. <laughs> Yeah, it's insane. That's why. So I'm going to get you a book on humor, and the first thing it's going to say is don't explain the joke right after someone makes it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Deal with this. Love you. I have to say, when I still was, like, scraping MSNBC for hot takes and whatever, like, every single show is the same, except for Rachel Maddow, because she just makes a bunch of shit up. <laughs> it is, though. Alex Jones for the liberals. Honestly, like, it's it's Alex Jones, but less entertaining. I mean, I haven't really watched Rachel Maddow since, like, 2017, but, like, yeah. What's going on? What was she talking about then? What, what made you stop? What was it? Yeah. I just kind of stopped in general because it's, like, this is all, like, a waste of my time, and, like, they're all annoying me. I'm embarrassed to say that I did follow it a little bit. I think I dropped off at the point where she was somehow trying to tie nuclear program spies between Russia and North Korea and the the dossier and all this shit because like there's a train that goes I guess from North Korea to Russia and this train was the those two countries are right next to each other why wouldn't there be anyway (laughs) why is there something going out of North Korea I don't care go on I that's all I remember but somehow that was the whole episode was I I fold. I don't remember. Point is, I mean, sorry. sorry. <laughs> yeah, go, Joe. Joe, go. Go off. Joe off. Joe off. They have anything else other than, like, uh, the Baker administration still sucks because they keep on reopening things without being like, hey, we want all of you to go back full time, but we don't want to actually make them a priority in terms of vaccine rollout. Yeah. It's getting, yeah. The Baker administration's yeah. continued war on public education and, like, basically the population in general because, like, schools are going to be basically a massive vector for disease that the state government doesn't really seem interested in dealing with. See, this is where – this is hard for me to parse because knowing that our infrastructure and social safety net is so bad that, like, people are basically fucked when they can't send their kids to school because they have to find extra food and they have to find – childcare and all these extra services that normally would be taken care of by like the public school system. So it's almost like our country is so bad at taking care of kids that like, it's better to just send them into like the disease gauntlet than to triple the responsibilities that their parents have taking care of them because this the government's not going to do it objectively we do suck at that because one in five american children lives below the poverty line so like we are objectively terrible at this 
thing in particular. On top of the fact that we are just objectively terrible at dealing with poverty in general because we are a hyper-capitalist, hyper-libertarian society in general. But at childcare, we are particularly, um, particularly a just walking shit show. Yeah, yeah and and I, I see this come up with in mutual aid. Like people have to watch their kids so they can't leave the house. They can't. They can't basically be finding and providing food for their kids and you know taking care of them all in a safe environment simultaneously. Yeah, and I'm sure a lot of people are just like, "Well, kids don't get COVID as bad, right? So maybe it'll be fine." And you know, just hope that they don't bring it home to you. Or your grandma who has emphysema or whatever. Yeah, you got short arms, Bart. Stick your hand in there and see if you can get it to work. Yeah. (laughs) It's kind of how we treat kids. Pretty much. I feel for the kids who are, this is their experience. Like, this is the beginning of their experience with school. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't even fucking. Wow. Those kids are going to grow up. A coworker about two months ago. (laughs) And I was like. How fucked up are kids going to be? Like, the kids who are, like, six and seven years old now, their first, like, like the memory that they will be able to remember in, like, 20 years. <laughs> like, the, the beginning of, like, their memory is, like, everyone, like, they won't even be able to really recognize what human faces look like because their memory is, like, everybody has a face mask on and they won't really be able to tell what people's faces look like from the nose down. Okay, but let's hope that... They creates, watch enough it, TV. It, it creates a generation... <laughs> no, it creates a generation of kids that uh, their first, like, real formative experience was the failure of the state. So... They have a little, uh, a little acceleration, little, little little incredulity towards the state, as it were. Well, Woo! To be to be fair, like some of my earliest memories were listening to NoFX and like yeah, no, I know, but like the fact of the Bush administration and yeah. watching the towers come down, like so we grew up with that, and there are plenty of fucking oh, you got yeah, you have dipshits uh-huh. that are our age. You know what I mean? Like that's not enough. Just the radicalization, the 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 um like i i worry that's not really enough hold like, on hold on hold on there's a there's a che guevara quote uh revolution the revolution oh fuck revolution the revolution oh fuck the revolution <laughs> <laughs> revolution is not an apple that falls when it is ripe you have to make it fall i think the really really young kids are gonna be so accustomed to like social deprivation that once things start once they can go to a party they're gonna be like what the fuck like some of them are gonna be like oh my god this is amazing and some of them are gonna be like no i can't handle this it was like the subtext that I was saying to my coworkers back a couple months ago. It was like, what do these kids do when, like, they spent most of their childhood with no more than, like, three other people in a room with them? What happens when they go to a party and it's, like, sensory overload? Like, what do they do with that? Or it just becomes... Yeah. What do we do with an entire generation of people who get, like, PTSD if they're in a room with more than five people? That's another way that the prison system really fucks people up by, like, creating very bland, uniform environments so that when people get out of prison, they are completely overloaded by external stimuli. I mean, there could be some hope that social interaction becomes a thing that people crave, so it doesn't disrupt things. I'm just trying to be hopeful, guys. Sorry. You know, I'll I'll go line up against the wall and wait for the... As well understood by our listeners by this point, I exist to... With that positivity, garbage. We love it, folks. (laughs) 
I'm you, just kidding. You got any more fucking pearls? No. And it's on that note, I actually probably have to go to bed because I have to get the work, right. get up for work at like 5.30 tomorrow. All right. Uh, hang on. Joe, yeah, before you go to bed, don't go to bed. Jesse, can you turn off the recording for a second? And a clear edit point now. Ah, no. oh, Joe, we love him. He went to bed. Oh, is there, would there be either a rabid radlibs and or things that can't be made up tonight? I have things that can't be made up. Do you have rabid radlibs, Jesse? Why don't we start with, we'll start with Ellie and then uh, Carlene actually has a segment oh, yeah. that she wants to do. So sweet. All right. Uh, let me get this link. This is an old link. All of my links are old, but they totally happened and you totally can't make them up. So it's fine. <laughs> This week's headline is Alaska woman using outhouse attacked by bear from below. And this is definitely not like the weirdest thing ever, but I don't know, there's just a lot to this story, so I just I just wanted to do it. There's not as much good like tasty uh, AP reporter copy in this one, but there's there's definitely some good I mean, details. It continues good. the theme of uh, animals and yeah. the fraught relationship that we have to them and <laughs> yeah. how they seek out a sort of escape and or retribution, i.e. like shoving squids up or, uh, you know, like, you know, s- the seals with the fucking shoving shit up their nose yeah. or this, the eels. Yeah, there we go. Seals and eels, right. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, there's not a lot of people in Alaska, so there's a lot. I think, you know, the wildlife, it's really a state where wildlife live and then also some people. Including well, this was in Anchorage. There are a lot of people in Anchorage. Oh, no, you're right. It is in Anchorage. Okay. Well, so it says she was in the backcountry. So she was using an outhouse in the backcountry. Well, I mean, you're not going to use an outhouse in the city, maybe. I hope. Yeah. But so, you know, they were in a part of Alaska where there's bears. That's not true. Uh, people use fucking porta potties in the city all the time. Hey, hey! Take a shit and take a shit in the box. Shit in the box, guys. Yeah, I don't know. It says <laughs> uh, says that this woman, uh, Shannon Stevens, and her brother Eric and his girlfriend had taken snowmobiles into the wilderness to stay at his yurt, which is located about twenty miles northwest of Haines in southeast Alaska. And it, it says her brother heard the screaming and went out to the outhouse, which is about one hundred fifty feet away from the yurt. Uh, he found Shannon tending to her wound. They were like, they thought she had been bitten by a squirrel or a mink or something small. But Eric had his headlamp and then he said, I opened the toilet seat and there's just a bear face just right there at the level of the toilet seat. Just looking right back at the hole, right at me. And I just shut the lid as fast as I could. And we ran back to the yurt as fast as we could. And, uh... I have a question. Just... Did this guy move from, uh, yeah. West Virginia to Alaska? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure that's very accurate, Alaskan. It's uh, probably not, accent. but I will, like, I will clarify that from what I have seen in life, once you get out into the fringes of, of society, like, into the wilderness, people just talk like that, even if it's not, like, in a place where you would think that they talk like that. Like it's actually that's kind of true because like it's in Maine they have accents like that too. Yeah, New Hampshire exactly. actually surprisingly enough. So people do talk like that. There wasn't really anything else interesting in this article except they did have to be like, well, how are we going to wrap up this article? 
and they decided to be like, no matter the season, Eric says he'll carry bear spray with him all the time when going into the backcountry, and Shannon plans to change one behavior as well. I'm just going to be better about looking inside the toilet before sitting down, for sure, she said. Whoop-dee-doo. It's advice for life. It, there it is. The, the picture that they chose is a little misleading because they have a band-aid on their finger. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's a weird one. And it implies that the injury was on the finger, but it was definitely not on the finger. No, they they even if they had pictures of her butt, they could not put it on APnews.com, I guess. Why not? It's a decent point. It's like blurred Definitely. out. They were just like I mean you could show they would have a picture of it, it would be like blurred out, so Oh you know. Yeah, that you know, you can't see it, so why use the Yeah, no, that's the point. Yeah, it's like yeah. you wouldn't be able to see it, so like you, you know right. it makes me but think instead of... we got this picture where we're comparing uh bear paw print sizes. Yeah, yeah there's no these big bears are large. Bears are large, you, y'all. I'm gonna tell you a secret. Yeah. <clears throat> I knew about this story already. No. Yeah, yeah. I'm really I'm really scraping the bottom of the barrel lately. <laughs> oh, it's just it's just because I listen to the bizarre files. They just they're on top of this shit. But oh, okay, that's good. Nonetheless, I mean, so my dad grew up in Maine. Uh, rest in peace, Jay. Fucking trying to think of a uh, I don't know. He was a good dude, but uh, yeah, he grew up in Maine and he worked on a farm and he also had to shit in an outhouse. And uh, the scene from Arachnophobia really fucked him up. Ooh. I mean, in retrospect. By the time the movie came out, he no longer had to shit in an outhouse. But <laughs> yeah, that's really all I have to say. I could share my own experience. I could talk about how how great it is to shit in an outhouse all the time. Because I, when I was, like I said, when I was in New Mexico, that's what we did. Yeah, my uh, my aunt, my favorite aunt, had a like a house up in the Santa Cruz Mountains. It was like a geodesic dome for a while, and there was no. You just had to go to the outhouse. It was the whole thing. I mean, I guess it could be worse. Like, uh, well, not really, actually. <laughs> yeah, it, shitting in an outhouse is not. I mean, you could like bears could be just constantly nipping. Right, there. right. You could have a bear in yeah, a fucking bear. In yeah. That, that, yeah, that's true. That's true. Right down there. That is, yeah, yeah. And this also all makes me think of Forrest Gump, where he's like, something just bit me in the butt, and then he shows his butt. Oh yeah, to the president to Nixon. Nixon. To Nixon. <laughs> the president you should show your ass to is Nixon. Yes. Agree. Hey, we're Carlingo. Oh! Yeah, Carlene. 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 Anyway, yeah, that's all I got. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I'm sorry. I'm not very fun tonight. That was... You're that fine. was like I was like shell shocked in that fucking working group meeting. I thought yeah. that was just gonna be us again. Yeah, it was chill. I thought it went well, all things considered. And you were fun. You were very fun. That's why I sent you that DM that said "Love you, comrade." Hold on a second. We gotta figure out some technical uh, issues. Difficulty. So, Scott, you got yeah. some uh, hold music uh, there. Do I have some what? Hold, hold music. Hold music. Uh, you know, no. like. Yeah. <laughs> you do. I know you do. You interested in subscribing to the Epoch of Incredulity? Yes. On Patreon. For a level of $1 a month, $3 a month, or $5 a month. Or enjoy our free unlocked content, of which we have many posts with. 
I forgot to unlock the second bed. Oh, that would explain why my friend couldn't hear it. Yeah, yeah, I totally forgot. I'm sorry. No, it's weird because I went on the app and it like said unlocked. No, it's. Are you do do have like? Subscribe. Don't worry about it. Why don't don't you have subscribe? All right, I need to actually do something. I've been editing uh, the second episode of our movie club for the Patreon folks. It's good. It's a, it was a very good episode, actually. It turned out really well. I had to do very little editing. It was actually pretty fast. We. That means I'm good at talking. Yeah. <laughs> what a night. <laughs> All right, all right, we got we got this shit. We get we we're doing we we figured it out. All right, so um, I present. Do you want to just use your fuck? I present Comrade Carlene on this uh, sexualization of women at a young age and how it ties into capitalism and the patriarchy. So I'm gonna put a trigger warning in here just because you have to. Uh, in recent years, many women have been coming forward about how young they were when they were first sexualized. Some have been as young as four. Many women choose not to come forward about it too. This happens to young boys as well, but I can't speak of their experience. I remember when I was first sexualized, I was either in kindergarten or the first grade. The next time I was eight or nine. My mom also comments about my boobs and how I should show them off more and shit like that but when I did she'd call me names and tell me to cover up one in every six women have been sexually assaulted or harassed to this day sexual assault is dramatically unreported this is due to the victim being terrified of the repercussions of what may happen also the fear no one will believe them or take them seriously being sexualized at such a young age can be correlated with high levels of depression guilt shame self-blame eating disorders relationship problems and somatic concerns some women become hyposexual in relationships since they were assaulted and sexualized at such a young age. When I was growing up in the 90s and early 2000s, thin, beautiful women were everywhere. It got instilled in my young, developing brain that the only way I'd be beautiful is if I was as thin as the women on TV, along with many other women that saw this growing up. The beauty industry sees this and the insecurities in young girls and women and preys on them, selling them these products saying you only be beautiful if you use these the fashion industry is just the same i can be a size 10 in some pants or go up to a size 14 in shirts i can be a large to an extra extra large again they play on young girls and women body insecurities to push the bottom dollar the cats are <laughs> sorry the cats are funny. <laughs> With all these different sizes, it can cause them to have body dysmorphia, bulimia, and anorexia. I struggled with body dysmorphia for years and recently got over it or overcame it. We're told at a young age that we have to be thin, submissive, and beautiful in order to be loved and get married and start a family. Growing up, I was told this. I thought my job as a woman was to get married and start popping out kids and do what my husband told me to. Now at 29, almost divorced with no kids, I know I don't want that. I'd rather be in a healthy relationship without the government being involved and with no kids, just my cats. In whole, whole, everyone is beautiful no matter what size you are. If you are struggling with any of these issues, reach out to somebody. There is Vane. Their number is 800 
The calls are free, confidential, and are available 24 hours, and they help with sexual harassment and assault victims. What the fuck are they doing now? I'm having a party. Sorry, the cats are having a party. Thank you, Carleen. Love you. It was great. Also, I think Rain is uh, was started by Tori Amos, one of my favorite recording artists. That's the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network. Thank you. Carleen, I don't want to put you on the spot here, but do you want to talk to our listeners about how do you feel about uh, marriage as an institution? Now being almost divorced, I think it's a waste. Like, you don't need to, like, prove your love by, like, signing a piece of paper and spending tens of thousands of dollars just for that, you know? It's true. People are always like, are heterosexuals okay? No, we're not. (laughs) Not like you guys per se, but like, you know, the wedding industry and... Yeah. I know when I was planning mine, if like, let's say if you said like, oh, we're having a wedding instead of like $10 a plate, they'd up to $30 a plate because that's how they make their money. But like we just got married at a courthouse and it cost $100. I'm glad because the marriage was a waste. <laughs> marriage was worth $100 at most. Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, you're it was a dime store marriage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so Carlene would like to um, open up about traumatic experience that she had when she was young involving uh, sexual assault and talk about the impact that that had on her. So the first, well, the second one, when I was uh, eight or nine, it was me and my whole family. My little sister was just born and we were at my dad's friend's house. Well, he's not his friend anymore. I was, you know, being a cute little child and I had like a cute little bikini on and whatnot. And my dad's friend came up behind me and grabbed my shoulders and purred in my ear. And ever since like that day, I wasn't able to wear bikinis. And recently I finally overcame that and I got my first like bikini yesterday. And it makes your butt look good, right? It makes my butt look really good. <laughs> All right. We're going to leave it at that. I'm going to put uh, background uh, people clapping in the audience sound drop. Post. Yeah. <laughs> and me doing that. that. Takes, yeah. It takes like Woo! a lot to be able I can't to talk clap about. Because I have. Uh, in a public forum especially thank you for sharing that with us you're welcome i'm glad that your dad's not friends with that guy anymore (laughs) jesus christ i haven't talked to my dad in like months kind of cut him off well he cut me off so fuck him you heard it here first on the epoch yeah breaking news (laughs) yeah we we support you in saying fuck you to your dad just as we were supporting uh sarah last week and saying fuck you to her dad this is a podcast where we support people in saying fuck you to their dads if their dads suck jesse you said your dad was cool so that's guys yeah my dad was the shit so um do you need a place where you need to tell your dad to fuck off (laughs) come to the <laughs> it's it's way too it that ain't it the music is way too loud for the can you tune it down can you yes i can turn it down oh, all right. a little bit but if you need to tell your dad fuck you fuck off get out of my life well are you any parent any family member any person who, any person in your life that's toxic calling you down come to our show and let it out that'd be fun yeah hell yeah well, this is an open invitation. If you have a family member or a former friend or a boss or anybody who uh, you want to tell to fuck off for your own sense of closure and growth as a human being, 
where your where your show. You can come right on here and just give a big old uh, let him have it. Fucking big old fuck you, big old middle finger from the Boston Commune. <laughs> we will have a custom cake delivered to this person's house with a big uh, frosting middle finger on it and our logo. <laughs> And uh, I don't know if we can afford that shit. That sounds a little extravagant. Um, Maybe if we get more patrons. Well, Carlene just said she could. She used to be like a cake decorator, so she could probably do it actually. If yeah, there we go. Carlene yeah. can do it for us. So if you want to become a patron and tell someone to fuck off, fuck off. If you join us at the five dollar level, we will do this for you. Yeah. Well, actually, and if you live in if you live in Boston, because I don't. If you live in the greater Boston area, <laughs> to deliver a cake to like. I don't know. We have some listeners in the UK for some reason. So, I mean, Dang, thank you. Bad. Thanks. That's that's tight. But oh, the, maybe the, it's my cousin. The queen doing something bad over there. I can't do a British accent, really. There's too many different types of British accents. All right. I could I could swing one, but the timing isn't right. So, you got to do you got to do it when the time is right and the time is time is wrong. Time is wrong. The time is wrong, motherfucker. Since I do not have a rabid rad loops this week, I will say that I delayed the release. Delete the delete. Delete. I delete. I delete. I delete. You need to quit, quit making a scene. Marjorie Taylor. There it is. Yeah, you know it. I delayed the premiere of. Alexander Kaluntai's autobiography two days because I wanted to space out the releases a little bit, but that is now available. The first section, not the first chapter, because the book doesn't really have chapters. It just has like headings. And that is part one of three, the Marxist Menagerie, Alexander Kaluntai autobiography. And she talks about some of this stuff. And I do think on some level that marriage is kind of on top of it, being a way to solidify like existing power dynamics uh, in regard to gender and the sort of man being the breadwinner of the family and the having the the stay-at-home wife and the children and all that shit like it is also just kind of a capitalist grift weddings are expensive as fuck there are companies that make a ton of money off of marriage so off of weddings off of women yeah and the beauty industry hell yeah that is a fucking Riff, I'm sorry. Like I know, I know a lot of women who I don't know what the merits are, but they claim to be like you know, like experts on beauty products and stuff like that. And like, it's cool if you want to make your own shit. Like that's tight. But I'm sorry. Like the claims that are being made are just beyond belief. Like there's no cream that you're going to be able to use to. Yeah, I see. What, yeah, yeah. Tell that to my mom. <laughs> Hold on, Carlene has a what is it? Shade range. I'm gonna let Carlene talk because she's the she's the expert on this shit. So women of color or people of color who use makeup always have had times finding the shade in foundation. Because you'll have, let's say, all May and they'll have 30 shades, but 25 of those shades are for white women. And they only have five shades dedicated to people of color. But Fenty Beauty Viana, she has like a hundred shades and she's She's like the only brand that has an all-inclusive shade range. 
<laughs> yeah, you got to get that Fenty Beauty. She's out there making it happen. All right. Did we want to move on? Where we? I just also, I this is something that we haven't talked about on the pod before. And I'm kind of surprised actually now thinking about it. But um, part of my English class was dissecting an advertisement. And mm-hmm. the one that I chose was, it was a Newport ad. And it was a black couple on a golf course. And the guy was lying down and the woman was like basically in a backswing. And I think he was holding the tea between his teeth and like it had nothing about cigarettes on it. Uh, And I kind of looked into the history of Newport and that brand was created solely to sell cigarettes to black people. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. Also cool. I think cool was the thing. Yeah. yeah, like menthol was basically like forced on the black community. Yes. So in that in that Dave Chappelle skit where it's like, why do black people smoke menthols? And then the guy that was like, I don't fucking know. And he got the answer right. Well, the answer is because of capitalism. Yeah, because big tobacco sold, uh, oh, you know, lowered the, level, the, the price of menthol just slightly. So shops, uh, you know, those those bodegas, those corner stores could get it in the uh, black community. And so it's what, you know, it was forced upon them. It was the only thing that was offered. There you go. Who doesn't have enough lung cancer? Black people. Let's do something about that. And that's real shit because the menthol actually, it desensitizes like the little <sighs> yeah. cilia in your lungs to the damage that the cigarettes are doing. Yeah, it's, so It's a lot worse. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. So yeah, so like your lungs are unable to have that natural reflexive response to cough when they're being irritated. And then for people who quit smoking cold turkey, like they'll feel it really bad. They'll start coughing up a bunch of shit because the cilia in the lungs are no longer like deactivated by the menthol. Yeah. Jeez, well, this is all very uh, pertinent information that I'll take into account when trying to get the vaccine by taking up smoking. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, I can help you with that. Uh, What about if you smoke weed? Offer's still open for that. No, they don't give it to you if you smoke weed. Uh, excuse you? <laughs> they don't. My, 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 I mean, I'm not saying excuse you. I you. smoke I'm all kinds of weed. What do you I'm want? saying it to the state. <laughs> Motherfuckers. We're just oh, yeah. as valuable as anyone else. What's wrong with you? Wait, are you saying they just, we're not, like, weed, it's just not a priority? Or is this like, if you're a weed smoker, fuck you, you're not getting it? <laughs> I think that nicotine and cigarettes and all the shit that's in them is just worse for you than weed is? I don't know. Maybe I should double check this. It's legalized in the anyways. Yeah, they'll, they'll legalize. Anyways, they won't give us the goddamn vaccine. The way that they cure the tobacco adds a lot of toxins to it. But I forgot to mention, I did get the second dose of the vaccine because I work in a congregate care setting. Whoop, whoop. And um, got it. Hell yeah. I had to work the day after I got the vaccine. I, you guys already know this, but the listeners don't. I had to work the day after I got the vaccine because my boss. She had the opportunity to schedule me for Friday, but she wanted to get it on Friday so that she could take the weekend off. So then she scheduled me for Wednesday, knowing I had to work Thursday and gave my clients bed rest who got the vaccine on the same day and my colleague called out. So I was working alone the day after I got the vaccine. Oh, Jesus. It's a real boss move. Yeah. Like, literally. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And five of our clients have been COVID positive. Three of them got sent to a different house to quarantine. Two of them are quarantining in the fucking house, like where I work, and we had to deliver them stuff. How exactly are they doing that? (laughs) 
Well, very effectively, if you're wondering, BSAS. Um, just kidding. It, it's a shit are show. They, no, I mean, are they like staying to their room? Like, what do you mean? Allegedly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so yeah, we'll see. <laughs> I mean, leaving leaving this response up to private corporations was a fucking terrible idea on its face and in practice. Bad, bad. Anyway, I feel better now. There's light at the end of the tunnel. My my guitar is sounds good. <laughs> um, it's clean. Trying to think of positive stuff to follow that up with. Um, <laughs> oof, man, this is harder than I thought it would be. <laughs> I can just do my thing and then end the show. It's fine. All right, let's, let's just do that. We'll move on. I mean, I've been trying to for a little bit. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you should watch. Actually, I'm going to recommend two horror movies. Scary, spooky. Uh, Sorry, wife. Yeah, what? Uh, uh, yeah, I'll save a new song. We'll talk about that later. Um, yeah, I'm gonna recommend The Empty Man and Starfish. Starfish is on Shutter if you have that service. But yeah, The Empty Man is very good. It was lost in the shuffle of Disney buying Fox, and I thought it was gonna just be like dumb Slenderman ripoff shit, but it's very good. Who would have known it's almost two hours and fucking 20 minutes long, which is so funny to me? Uh, and that's what you should watch, folks. What is it called? The Empty Man? The Empty Man. It's all about like grief and like cosmic horror and like like grief kind of creates a void in us. And I love cosmic horror. There's a lot of subgenres in horror that that I'm like, ooh. If if grief creates a void, could that void be filled with something? And if it can be filled with something, what is that something? And if it's filled with something, does that something project? And it's it's like actually like genuinely an existential horror movie. It's really good. Uh, I was very fucking impressed. Um, it's it's kind of corny. It does have like some like ring dumb shit going on in it, but like hey, it's good. It stars James Badgedale. He's not in a lot of movies. Uh, what the fuck happened to his career? I thought it was gonna be bigger. Um, fuck. Anyways. Yeah, so like Jesse said, I'm Sweaty Wife. I'm Scott, Sweaty Wife on uh, Instagram and on SoundCloud, where you can hear my new song. It's got a long name, uh, Return to the Beach, and then this whole shit in the fucking subtitle, because, you know, I was making a reference to the new True Anon episode, or one of the newer True Anon episodes, because I'm, I'm so clever. Um, yeah, you can also follow me on Twitter, at DeathMullet. Ellie, you should go. I'm Ellie. Here I am. I'm on this podcast. That's that's where you can find me if you look really hard and you listen and the stars align just perfectly. Then you can find me. But only then. When the <laughs> I can just keep going. When like, the third When the thrush started. knocks on the first light of Saint uh, Duran's Day. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. Jesse, go. Oh fuck. Sorry. I'm listening to No, no I'm listening to Corpse and there what? was like <laughs> Uh, insane like oof it's coming again <laughs> oh fuck sorry oh there's like a bass drop before the slams come in and it's just like oof. wait Give me goosebumps what are the slams i we need to have like, the slams yeah, are the like, most important part i don't know i don't know shit about death metal dude so i don't want to harp too much on this because it's very very uh like death metal is kind of a meme of itself as is but slam as a genre is short for brutal slamming death metal so slams by themselves 
are like not really like it's just like a kind of riff but everybody who listens to slam when you say like the slams okay. what what you're saying is like the riff, the kind of riff that is characteristic of brutal slamming death metal which is like it doesn't really follow along any kind of like musical scale it's just kind of half steps and full steps like slow just blasting like really dismal sounding dissonant like riffs i guess okay i kind of understood for a little bit i'll have to just listen to a bunch like people who listen to deathcore they talk about like breakdowns like you're bringing deathcore to this like slam doesn't have breakdowns they have like slams you know what i mean it's like slow riffs that are like really heavy punctuated by like and that's the shit that i like i like like slow simple just sludgy riffs that just like crush you so oh damn that's what the body is that's basically the song i you know posted in the in the in the discord when i saw them where the fuck i don't know what the name is is it church it's some fucking place in cambridge and they were so fucking good so that that was totally place you guys are such fours like scott knows what i mean sort of but (laughs) Oh, you guys on. are such Enneagram 4s, both of you. Players. I have no idea what that means, so I'll pretend I'll that like... you just gave me a compliment, and I'll say thank you. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, it's pretty much a compliment, yeah. Anyway, I'm Jesse. You can find my music on soundcloud.com slash Boston. A lot of slam has influenced my music, although I usually mix it up with uh, flavors of punk and post-hardcore and squirrel is doing something and uh uh oh that was a little uh, cameo <laughs> and uh yeah so uh remember to hit up comrade-rosie.org hit that getting involved tab select one or more mutual aid groups to donate your time labor or money to because people really need your help right now and i love you <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. yeah yeah we're on patreon we're on patreon we're on instagram we're on twitter at epic incredulity i guess after the fucking working group meeting tonight i will have to start using the twitter more um but more importantly like i said we're on patreon at epic incredulity we are i mean maybe tonight I'll have to put the finishing touches on it, but uh, our, the second episode of the movie club for the film Lagan, Once, Once Upon a Time in India, will Lagan. be out soon. Very good episode. It's relatively actually pretty short, too, which I was happy about. Um, but yeah, like Jesse said, get involved in something. Mutual aid, unionizing, whatever. Fight for it. And like we say, now at least, we don't have Joe to question me on this, but Tankdo, that's your epoch. But Tankdo. But Tankdo. Yay. Okay, Jesus.
Merry Christmas. What are you doing in my basement? Yeah. Get out of here, Oh my god. I think you guys are I'm fucking I feel like I've been right off the bat i liked that and what i liked about it is maybe the most standout thing right off the bat is the thick thick ass 